Welcome to Grace Covenant Church, D.C. You're listening to our weekly sermon podcast. We hope that you enjoyed this message. Generational transfer um, is our focus today as we talk about fathering. All of June has been focused on Gen X, um, our series. It's been good so far. We're going to continue today, and I'll ask if you would follow along with me in Luke chapter 2, verses 41 through 52. Luke chapter 2, verses 41 through 52. And I'm asking that you would allow God to... um, I'm asking God that he would open our minds together and our hearts to be receptive of him as a father, irrespective of the relationship that we have with our own dads. Some great, some not so great. Some of us in this room have never known our fathers. Some of us wish we had different parenting uh, in terms of our heritage. But I want everyone to be encouraged, not just me. I believe it's God's heart to encourage you with his love for you as a father. You are loved by the father of the world. And you're not lacking because his love is perfect. So in Luke chapter 2, verses 41 through 52. Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to the custom. After the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem but they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, They were astonished. His mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me? He asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Luke chapter 3, verses 21 through 23. When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened. And the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. Now Jesus himself was about 30 years old when he began his ministry. He was the son, so it was thought, of Joseph, the son of Haley. Holy Spirit, I thank you for bringing us to yourself this morning. May we experience you all together and be fathered by you. Amen. So whose son is he? Whose son is Jesus? Who's his father? Is it Joseph? Is it someone else? Is it God? Um, 
This passage is probably very significant with respect to fathering. I commend Joseph as a dad. You're engaged to be married. The young lady has accepted. And in the Jewish community, you're really betrothed already. It's, it's a marriage that has to be, um, would require an act of law to um, dissolve it. They're already at that stage. And <clears throat> so now that the commitment has been made, this marvelous event happens. The unfolding of God's purpose and plan. The birth of his son. God becoming man. Emmanuel. God with us. Fully God. Fully man. And Mary was the one who said, yes, be it unto me according to your word. I commend her. That's a lot of faith. She even asked the question, how can this be? Because the words to her spoken by Gabriel, the angel, were you will bear a child for yourself. So she knew that it meant without aid of a man through the normal biological process. So she said, how will this be? He said, the Holy Spirit will overshadow you such that the one who is conceived in you will be of the Holy Spirit and the Son of God. And she said, all right, I'm on board. Now she has to give that news to Joseph. Joseph's a good man. I don't know how many men would have said after hearing I'm pregnant um, and I'm still a virgin and would still proceed. In fact, Joseph himself said, um, you know what? I want to divorce you. But the Bible says he was a righteous man, so he's going to do it privately. He wasn't going to make a big deal about it. But God spoke to him. Before he becomes a dad, he's already listening to God and is making a decision that I don't know how you make without God helping you to make that decision. Is there any man here who could do that decision without the help of God? I don't know. Don't think so. He's going to raise somebody else's child as his own. He's not the biological dad. And there was a lot of talk. Mary, man, she, she got pregnant real fast. What was their wedding date? There's a lot of talk. Jesus grew up with that cloud over his head. Who's, who is your father? In fact, in his adult years, they said to him, we know who our father is. Who's your dad? And he, he had to live with that. He had to suffer that. So, you know, he's two years old now, and Joseph is warmed in a dream that he needs to leave. And so he takes his wife, Mary, and takes their son, Joseph, and he cares for him. And they escape when all the boys in Bethlehem are killed, two years of age and, and younger. Joseph's a good dad. He's a great dad. And he has fathered him. So we have this moment now where Jesus is 12 years old. And they go to the temple. And it's the festival. At 12 in the Jewish community, a boy is recognized as a man. And so after the festival is over, it's time to go back home. Go back to Nazareth. Jesus stays behind. They don't know. It takes three days to find them. You ever had to look for your lost child? Can you imagine what Mary looked like? I mean, Joseph too, but you know, mama. Walks into the temple. Everyone in the temple is amazed. Not at Mary, 
amazed at Jesus, his understanding, his answers. Like he's 12 years old. He hasn't been to any of the rabbinic schools and all that, but they're like, this dude is up and coming. They didn't say dude, but he was amazed. But his parents were astonished. And so mama just walks over to him. You ever had that moment where something's going on important and your mom just interrupts? Mama just shouts out at the game or something. I know guys all the time, they're playing football and they do something great and mama's running down. Yeah, that's my boy. Or if he gets hurt on the field and mama's running out there and the son is like, please, mama, go back to the stands, please. This is hurting me more. Could you not, mom? Could you not? I'm dying, mom. Where are you dying? No, mom, you standing over me is killing me. All my friends are looking at me and watch me. I can't even cry now. I can't even cry now because you're standing here. Walk away. Walk away. I don't know what the moment was like for Jesus in the temple, but the, the conversation right there is, is what I'm highlighting. That moment. Mary says, son. It's her son. What, why, why, why have you treated us like this? Your father, did I say father? Your father and I have been searching for you. Appropriate response for a child who's been missing for three days should be, I'm so sorry. Um, you didn't get my text. I was trying to tell you that they had some additional services and this was really good. I wanted to stay in worship. You good with that? No text, no email. He just stayed behind. We've been looking for you. Why have you treated us like this? That's not his response. His response is, why were you looking for me? Yeah. Right? Mary's face. What? 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 Why? What? Joseph, talk to him. Talk to him. Talk to him. Talk to him. Just, just like, what you want me to say to him? Come on. <sighs> and she's treasuring up all these things in her heart. The, the, how she said yes to God and you need to understand that when we read the passage, we bring to it what is unknown to them in the moment, right? We've read the next verses. We've read the next chapters. We know who Jesus is fully. They don't have a full understanding of that. We read into it as if they do, but there are all these moments that something miraculous happens and afterwards they treasure it, but they're still head scratch. I don't fully understand. So you almost have to try to empathize, put yourself in their shoes. They don't know fully who he is. I mean, they, they know, but they don't. Everyone was expecting the Messiah. Everyone's expecting Roman rule. You know, he's going to sit on the throne of his father, David. I don't know that they've grasped that he is the savior of the entire world who is going to die on the cross. Don't think they have that. Don't think they got that. We know it as we read it, but go from where they are. Why, why have you treated us like this? Why were you searching for me? And here it comes. Here it comes. They're waiting for the answer. Didn't you know? Dads, your kids ever say, you didn't know? We call our kids. Where were you? You didn't know? No, no, we didn't know. We're, 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 let me see my phone. What time of day did you say? Where, where were you? Didn't you know? He's probably calm. Didn't, didn't you know I had to be in my, here it comes, father's house? Now, we hear that 
different than they heard it. Because the Bible says they did not understand. Why was it not apparent to them? So before we go further, fathers, children, whatever age you are, there are those moments, and Jesus is perfect. His parents are saying, where were you? What's going on? And he's like, didn't you know? It says they, the parents, did not understand it. So all the youth, we're the youth. Raise your hand, youth. I just want to help you. There are times, hey, anchored. There are times when your parents, great people, smart, full of wisdom, righteous, don't understand you. I know that's hard to believe, but there are just moments where we look and you say something to us and we go, and we look at each other. It's like you're speaking another language. We don't understand you. And Jesus looking at him like, didn't you know how? Yeah, come on. I want you to know in those moments where parents and children don't understand, you're in good company. Jesus was misunderstood by his parents. And he was perfect. Might you just pray for your parents right now? Go ahead and just be gracious. Lord, now I understand your parents misunderstood you. It makes sense that my parents, who are not perfect, would also misunderstand me. Go ahead. Applaud your parents. I'll give you a chance. I know you want to. I don't want to refrain. Go ahead. Just applaud. Applaud you. Celebrate your parents. Oh, so good. So good. So good. I know how hard that is for you. (laughs) So what is going on? What's happening in this moment that they don't understand? Whose son is he? The Bible says he's the son of man and the son of God. He's the son of man and he's the son of God. That's good news. This is he who is the son of Abraham, the son of David, the the son of Joseph. He is also the son of of God. So he has a lineage according to his humanity coming all the way from Abraham. And he also has direct and that he is the son of God from all eternity and was the son, has always been the son, even before humanity existed. So let's unpack this a little more. You ready? This encourages me. At 12 years of age, Jesus has the awareness that while he is parented, By his dad, Joseph, his mom, Mary, he recognizes that God is his father. He knows that unmistakably at 12. How soon he knew it, I don't know, but he definitely knows it at 12 years of age. And he is referring to the temple as his father's house. Keep in mind, when Jesus became an adult, 30 years of age, we have this moment where his disciples are saying, teach us how to pray. And he says, when you pray, say, our, he introduced what prayer should be like now going forward. That you are to relate to God, not merely as creator, though he is, not just king, though he is, but he actually at the core of him is daddy. And he brought us that relationship of saying, relate. In fact, post-resurrection, he tells one of the women, 
Go to my brothers and tell them I ascend to my father and their father. That he brought us into relationship with God so that we might see God as a father. Something that his parents didn't understand in the moment when he said, my father's house. Because in their mind, father's house was back in Nazareth, the home of the carpenter. But this is good. But this is good. Because when we read the other part in Luke 3, it says that when he was 30 years of age and he goes down to Jordan to be baptized by his cousin John, when he comes up out of the water, he's praying, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit is descending on him in, the, in, in bodily form like a dove. Not that there was a physical dove present, but just the essence of what that moment was like. And then the, the heavens were opened and a voice was heard. It was not Joseph. A voice was heard from heaven saying, you are my son. How that must have resonated in him, that public affirmation of his father saying, you're my son whom I love and with you I'm well pleased. He knew from 12, if not earlier, that God the father was his son, but now it's being publicly affirmed at his baptism. Joseph was a great dad. But the purposes of God for all humanity and the purposes of God in Christ, fully God, fully man, Joseph could not bring him to the fullness of that. It would take him being fathered by God in heaven. Now, why this matters is because who you are called to be is a son and a daughter of your heavenly father. And the father you begin with great or not great, is an introduction to him. I, I, I want to encourage us as men who are fathers today to let this be the season of your life where you are more fathered by God than you ever have been. That you would join the ride with him and allow him to father you in such a way that you imbibe and, and you are actually taking in an, an inheritance of his heart. The love of God is amazing. There's nothing like the love of God. The love of God is not just God by himself. God is one. He's three. He's three in one. We use a word called Trinity. That's the closest we can get. And there are many books about it. But I tell you, it's still a mystery. Not that it's unknowable, but it's more than what we could know. And so before God went out of himself to create us as if he were lonely, he was fulfilled in his love between the Father loving personally the Son, the Father loving personally the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, loving, who's God, loving the Son and loving the Father, Jesus, who's also God, loving the Father and loving the Spirit. So you have this dynamic of the Trinity of the love of God being receiving and giving continuously for all eternity, the generating of the Father the beginning the son not as a beginning because he's eternal but there's something always proceeding from the father which is the spirit and something always generating from the father which is the son and then a receiving back and this love of God has always been and he created us so that we could join the dance inviting us into the circle of love and the love he has for him is not self-preserving, it's self-giving, it's self-denial, it's self-sacrificial, even to the point of suffering and death, which is why Jesus' death on the cross is the historical moment that marks his own kind of love, but how he has always been even from the beginning. 
He wasn't doing something new when he suffered and died. His love and delight in his father took him all the way to the cross. And he says, I want y'all to know this kind of love. What kind of love? The kind of love that will make you be not self-preserving. The first law of nature is self-preservation started at the fall, not before. There's nothing self-preserving in God. He gives himself up all the time. Isn't that amazing? So when he poured out this love, whatever the measure of love you received or did not receive from your natural dad, it's okay. Everybody say it's okay. It's okay because the love of the father, which is eternal, will be more than sufficient to father you in every area where your father was not or where we, father, raise your hands. Wherever our father was short or less than what God intended, God was right there at our father's side, fathering us whether he knew God or not. In my earlier years, I put so much weight. Weight's not the right word. I was fixated on the faults of my father rather than the faithfulness of the father. And my fixation almost caused me to miss out on the faithfulness of the father as to think of the limitations that are in me because of Morris Jones versus the boundlessness that's in father who's here in heaven. Can we get real? Can we get real? So, 30 seconds. Parents, I was age three when my father, because he didn't know how to love my mother, physically, physically, forced her out of our bed onto the floor. There's a fight. At three, you can't do anything. Five, separated, divorced. Eight, he dies. At the funeral, grandma says, you're the man of the house. Great, thanks, grandma. So you're growing up not knowing what a man is and not, not feeling fathered. So you have all these insecurities and you have all this loss of identity going on. So you project the image that you need people to see in order to preserve and protect yourself. Does that make sense? But somewhere in my 20s, God's like, how long, how long are you going to keep doing that? Doing what? How long are you going to find fault in Morris Jones, consciously or unconsciously, and that be the, the, the thing upon which you stand for who you're supposed to become as a man. My purpose in your life was before you had a father. And it's unchanging even though you walk through these hard relationships and, and tough experiences. What you don't know is those nooks and crannies are what I'm going to fill in and will become a testimony down the road. So then at some point, I had to stop holding him responsible for where he didn't make it as a dad. He did the best he can. So today, I can go, God, I thank you for Morris Jones. Why? He wasn't there for you. But without him, I'm not here. Like I get no breath unless he and my mom meet. The only combination that produces Donnell Maurice Jones is Morris Jones and LaBelle Diana Jones. That's the only way to get this combination. Thank you, Lord Jesus. <laughs> At least Mary Ann is happy about it. And if, and, if, and if there's no Morris Jones, then there's no Jonathan, there's no Mariah, there's no Gabriella, there's no Serena, there's no Micaiah. And then there's no granddaughter, Zoe. So thank you, Morris Jones. I got life in my body because of you. 
and I'm no longer holding you responsible for where you came up short. You worked with what you had and you gave it your best shot and I will not be stuck in time by an image that I wasn't made in. Come on, daddy. When my son was a boy, that's the generation before me. The generation after, I abandoned my son when I learned that my ex-girlfriend was pregnant. It would take seven years before I would meet him. And in between that time, God saved me. I repented. Never thought I would meet him. Never wanted to. When I met this beautiful woman and told her I have a son, but I want to marry you, she said, absolutely, I believe it's God, and I can't wait to meet your son. And when she said, I can't wait to meet your son, it floored me because I'd never wanted to meet him. And here's a woman who just met me and can't wait to meet him. So God knows who he's joining you with. So on this hand, there's Morris Jones, and on this hand, there's Jonathan Robinson. Robinson because he had his mother's last name. So he didn't meet me for seven years. And it was hard for him. At seven, I apologized. I repented to him on my knees in North Carolina. It was a miracle how we met. And he came to live with us. And my wife homeschooled him as if it were her own son. And he'd go between North Carolina and D.C. North Carolina and D.C. Then he came here, went to Howard, graduated, biology major. Rest is history. Changed his name from Robinson to Jones. I have a bronze statue at home that I look at. It's a man kneeling, holding a boy. And it's a picture of the day we first met at his church in North Carolina with his pastor, who's best friends with my pastor. Miracle, I told you, miracle. Let yourself be fathered by God. He's like, oh, that's easy. Um, I got the big joker. That's my book. <laughs> Woo! That's how God, I don't care what deck you started out with. God's like, your hand don't look good. Here, you can use the big joker. God just gives you cards that you don't even have. You're looking at your hand. Oh, look at my hand. Look at who my dad was. Look at my mom. And my God, uh, look at my hand. God's like, here, here's a big joker. What? But you got to walk hand in hand with him, seek his face, and let him rearrange the parts and do the healing, which happens over time. It's a 30-minute message, but this has been years in the making. And John had to forgive me. In fact, in his teen years, he, he realized what I had done. And like, now I have to say I'm sorry again. We went through that process, and then he got healed, and then we would travel on campuses, and we, would, we went to Georgetown University, and we spoke and told our story. All the students got in line to talk to him. How did you... I didn't even give your dad, man, no, it's not. Broken, weeping, and I'm looking at him like, wow. Thank you, Morris Jones. Thank you, Jonathan Jones. See, here's the thing. God has no grandchildren. It's not like, wow, you had a great relationship with God. What about me? He fathers every generation that will come to him. So that's why it's our father. Not when Jesus said our father back then, if he had grandchildren, then we would play our great, 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 father. But it's our father as much as it was David's, as much as he was, he was Abraham's, as much as you get the same fathering. So don't feel bad. I wish that had been my father. No, you get the same father. Isn't that good? So here's here's the thing. When my son was a boy, um, and we'd been reconciled at this point. We went to uh, Adventure World, and I said, let's get on a roller coaster. And we started to get in the line. And you know when the train comes down, this was 
back when, uh, I don't remember the name of the ride, but the bar comes down and your feet are dangling in the air. There's no, there's no, uh, yeah, no bottom. And he was eight, nine at the time. And so we get in line and, the, and the, you can hear the roller coaster roaring. Um, yeah, dad. <laughs> yes, sir. Um, not, 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 uh, why don't we get on another ride? No, you're going to love this. I don't think so. <laughs> Comes around again. We're getting closer. No, I'm not getting on this ride. And I said, John, I get on the knee. Listen, son, get on the ride with me. Dad, no, I'm not getting on this thing. You, uh, and he's, he's, he's protesting. What he doesn't know, this is not my first ride. I'm not talking about roller coasters. And he, I made him a promise. I said, son, I promise you this. If you get on, we will get off. That's all I promise. Time comes up. He gets in the car and he's right beside me. Ah, this is a bad idea. <laughs> you know that moment you're going up? Relationship with God feels like that when you start letting them father you. Where are we going? I've never been this high before. I know you're used to being on ground, but I want to take you higher. Some place spiritual. Where are we going? Where are we going? And you go to, ah! I can only do that once. I think I lost my voice. And we take the first turn. And he's going, yes. Yes. He's not even holding on anymore. And I'm looking at the joy that has always been mine. And this is an experience that I get to share with him. And he shares with me. And I'm going, my son overcame his fear. He didn't know what I had in store for him. What the ride of his life. And then all of a sudden we get up and like, I want to do it again. So we did it three times. I want to do it again. We did it three times. I want you to know that no matter you fathers, how you were fathered or not fathered, God just wants you to join the ride with him so that you can inherit his heart. And those times it feels like, where are we going? I'm not sure. You'll scream on the way down. But it's the ride of a lifetime of him imparting his heart to you. There's no way I should be a dad if I only look at it naturally. And I'm imperfect, ask my kids. But I just want them to get connected to him who's perfect because he has no flaws. And if, they're, if they will enjoy the ride with him, it's not that they are sitting behind him. They actually come and they get in the seat right beside God. Mariah sits next to God. She's not a grand. Gabriella, Serena, Micaiah, John, Zoe, they're all in the same car being fathered. I want the worship team to come and I want to pray for fathers. <clears throat> Are you encouraged? Happy Father's Day. Dads, I love you. I feel you. People don't understand the weight we carry. We feel such a responsibility sometimes we wonder <laughs> we see things happen and we feel responsible for it I think about Adam how he, how he felt responsible for the fall I blew it ah, I'm supposed to 
guard when you had imparted. Ah, ah. They covered themselves with leaves. And if they felt covered, then why did they hide behind the tree? I think whatever we use to cover ourselves is insufficient. We still hide. I used to hide behind my vocabulary. Use polysyllabic words that no one understood, like suscrepidelian. Yeah. I'd walk around talking like that. You're like, what is up with him? Yeah, I'm smart. Really smart. I've read the dictionary. I know words you don't. I can't let you see how insecure I am. I hid behind words. What do you hide behind? When you get fathered, you don't have to hide. You're free. I want the fathers to stand. What I love in that moment is that when God comes to Adam, he says, yes, these are the consequences. But then he covers him. But the ultimate covering is Jesus. The Bible speaks about the last Adam and the first Adam. There are only two generations on the planet. The generation of the first Adam, which fell subject to sin and death and shame and became self-preserving. And the last Adam, Jesus, who sets you free from that generation so that you can praise God. So however many people in your line, you were born in the first first Adam, but you must be born again, regenerated by the Holy Spirit to be in the last Adam. And then you inherit Christ and Daddy in heaven, Father's you. I want to pray for the men. Father, thank you for these men who are standing. They're not just standing in this moment on their feet, but they are standing for the generation that they have been given the responsibility and the privilege to impart your heart, not just their heart, but your heart. And that sense of responsibility is at times overwhelming. And I'm asking that the fathers in this place today and fathers in this city today would be overwhelmed, not with the sense of, did I do enough, but overwhelmed with the love of the Father that you have invited us into the ride to join with you. And I see you loving on men across this room, putting your arm around them. And we who are fathers, hearing us, hearing our father say, I love you. You're my son. These are your sons. And you love them with the love of God. And there is nothing that can slow your love in their life. You proved it by your suffering and your death. And I pray where there have been points in our past where our natural dad doing his level best, even Joseph was great, but he couldn't become who he needed to become without you. May we know that even at our level best, our kids still need you to become who you've called them to be. Heal hearts of fathers who carry this weight and who even when they express the weight to others, unless it's another dad, they just don't get it. I feel responsible to provide. I feel responsible to protect. And it's a joy, but sometimes I need more. And so, Father, I'm just going to ask, lift your hands. Lord, we present ourselves to you this morning. And we ask you for a greater measure of your heart. That 
we would inherit the largeness of your heart, that it would spill out of us in tears and laughter and joy. We'd find ourselves cracking up like I had no idea how much I was loved. So that from that place, without shame, without guilt, we are able to love our wives, our children, and not only our children, but the generation that is on the scene today. Let there be a transfer from you to us and from us to others. Thank you for these men. Give them more. Give them more. Give them more of you. Give them more of you. We find ourselves asking God, I'm short. I need something. Give them more of you. Thanks for listening. To learn more about our church or to watch video sermons, visit gracecovdc.org.